0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You are now tuned in to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? back to believe in fsu football this is your host robbie bagnardi season's over five and seven no bowl game losing record again not great um not how you want the season to go i definitely thought that we were a better team than that i thought a bowl game was at least doable um obviously the way this, this season ended wasn't great. The lost to UF while they didn't even have a head coach or, like, half a staff. And then the botched onside kick, and we were just kind of playing from behind the whole game. Couldn't capitalize on momentum. Couldn't capitalize on turnovers. Um, it was a sloppy game, too. Lots of penalties. Uh, just kind of microcosm of the season, really. Um we fought hard and we came back, but we weren't able to get the victory in the end. We weren't able to press all the right buttons in order to pull that one out. So just kind of like everything else, the whole season we were in games. You know, we didn't really get blown out a lot. Our worst loss was probably the 35-14 to 14 against Wake Forest and the 28-14 to 14 against NC State or the two worst losses of the year. Um... You know, and in both those games we played without Jordan Travis, who really emerged throughout the year. Um, and I don't think it's coincidence that our worst two games of the season came without him. Um, I think he's a leader on this team, and he's definitely a playmaker. Going into the off season, I don't think that that should bar us from possibly exploring options in which we would improve at quarterback especially in regards to the transfer portal market, which is very well populated right now. So I think we should explore all options and really make sure that we're going to put the best possible team on the field heading into next year. But with that said, I'm confident in Jordan Travis and his abilities and where he is as a player and the leader of the offense. You know, He definitely shows that he can make things happen with the ball in his hands. And he feels, it feels like he gets better pretty much every time that he goes out there. So, you know, to see consistent improvement and, you know, the presence of playmaking ability on a consistent basis are definitely not bad qualities to have in a quarterback. You'd definitely like to see him improve more as a thrower, but I don't think that it's the end of the world because. He knows and the staff knows how to use his skill set. I think that I'd like to see maybe more design runs from him, but the prevalence of the RPO look going later in the season, as the season progressed, I really liked that development, especially with his skill set. We have a good running back room. I don't really think that we need to add to it. I don't think that we should be against adding it to it, With the caliber of players that are on the transfer portal market right now, I think we should definitely explore that. But Corbin or Tofili Williams is plenty enough. Um, We'll sign Rodney Hill out of high school. He's a high school kid out of Georgia. I believe he's a three-star in the composite rankings. Better player than that. Not really worried about that stuff. Um, Kind of a one-cut running back. Has really good speed. You know, he gets the hole, he gets an open field, you're not catching him. He's an exciting player. I'm really, really excited to see how he's used in our offense. And we could potentially sign one another running back in Javante Barnes out of Las Vegas. Really, really good player, complete running back. Kid's a stud. Uh, don't really see us doing much other than that. I, th- I think it's probably Barnes or Bust for that second running back spot in our class this year but we'll see how that goes in regards to other positions offensive line is definitely something that we're still needing to build on I know that we're heavily into the transfer market for offensive linemen we've already taken one uh, transfer from the SES level I've heard we've also talked to Wisconsin transfer Caden Lyles, who's a center. He was at least down here for a visit at one point. And then Miles Frazier, transfer left tackle from FIU, who was listed as a pro football focused freshman All-American. So he's a pretty good player. And I believe he has three or four years of eligibility left. The whole COVID year kind of tosses that up a little bit, but, substantial playing time left for him and an opportunity to come make an impact here more than likely immediately and uh, his relationship with Devonte love taylor probably doesn't hurt in his recruitment and then jared verse the defensive end transfer from the university of albany in upstate new york um he's a really good player very productive good length good motor he's a guy that is one of the top names in the transfer market right now and be big get for us I believe he also has three years of eligibility and his ability to come in and probably more than likely immediately replace Jermaine Johnson's production on the defensive line would be a huge boost obviously Jermaine and Kier are going to the NFL looks like Robert Cooper and Fabian Lovett are going to stay though so that's good Um, Marcus Cushney will be back next year, hopefully is another edge rusher. Uh, Derek McClendon will come back. Pat Payton and George Wilson didn't see the field at all. They're true freshmen this past year. Hopefully they got bigger and stronger. It's a lot of what that is for them and and developed more technically because they're both very raw athletes but have a lot of athleticism and length to work with. But our defensive line was definitely a strength of our team. I think our interior defensive line will be strong again next year. But edge rush is definitely going to be something that we're going to have to find new contributors because we had a ton of production from those two guys, and they're both leaving. It's a ton of production to lose in one year when your defense was kind of predicated around them. Uh, We've lost a little bit of depth at linebacker. Wouldn't be surprised to see us take a transfer, but uh, we may go to the high school ranks for that, but we only have one linebacker committed right now in Omar Graham. We just uh, hired a new linebacker coach and co-defensive coordinator in Randy Shannon, who was on the staff this past year as a defensive analyst. Former linebacker coach Chris Marv took the defensive coordinator job at Virginia Tech. Congrats to him for taking a step up and uh, nice to add Coach Shannon to an on-field position. Uh, The rumor kind of hit the airwaves once people realized he was out on the road recruiting. So he was moved to an on-field role on the coaching staff in order to be able to do that. But I think Coach Shannon's experience being in Florida and coaching at high levels in college football, obviously he's been with both Miami and UF. And his ties in South Florida and just recruiting throughout the state will definitely be a big boost for our staff. Um, We can always fill, you know, analyst positions and bring in people that can potentially add to our staff now or in the future as well. That definitely doesn't hurt. So we like to see us kind of make use of that the way a lot of other big schools do. Alabama is probably most well-known for being the analysts and the Nick Saban School of Coaching Rehab, and he seems to have uh, built behind the scenes up there, fired head coaches, somehow seemed to always end up at Alabama, and then next thing you know, they get another head coaching job. I don't think that's quite going to be the case with Randy Shannon, but being able to utilize analyst spots and off-the-field spots and then parlay them into seamless, hopefully, transfers in your coaching staff when losing – staff members is definitely not a bad thing to have in place and I hope that we continue to take advantage of names that may be on the coaching market to facilitate things like that in the future just to have a more cohesive uh, staff and and keep the same faces there because relationships are really huge in recruiting and Being that we've come off a couple of rough seasons and and there's been a ton of roster turnover, we're really in the talent and culture building phase of the program. So recruiting is going to be paramount and the relationships that define how recruiting occurs are huge. It wasn't a good season. We weren't good enough. We couldn't get over the hump enough. We couldn't just make the right plays to win games and put enough points on the board. I think playmaker wide receiver is going to be a big thing. Uh, Obviously, Kevin Coleman's kind of the big target on the high school recruiting front. Seeing Travis Hunter play both ways would be cool. I mean, he's electric on offense and defense. I I think it'd be a waste not to at least let him see what he can do. You know, we saw in baseball this year Shohei Otani hit 40-plus homers and pitched and won the MVP. There's two-way players in that sport. Maybe we can do it in football. I feel like it's just so much more physically intensive, and obviously you don't want to put the player at risk. And More often than not, it's easier to just focus on one thing or the other and specialize so you can really hone in on your craft, especially as incredible as an athlete and player as he is. But he... If he can do both, I think you at least give him the shot to do it because we need that production and that playmaking ability so badly on offense right now. Um, we have Devon Mortimer committed at wide receiver. I still think we may add one, maybe two more guys out of high school. I think it's more likely that we probably add a couple transfer wide receivers. I know that Micah Pittman is visiting, taking an official visit. Um. FSU's been involved with him pretty much from the jump. Kind of a slot receiver running back type body build and a punt returner at Oregon. Had some production, but kind of just fell out of the offense and wants more of a feature role. But we need guys who make plays. You know, when I watch other college football games and I see receivers who do things after the catch who make plays and it just doesn't feel like we have a ton of guys who make plays. Uh, Pokey Wilson... I think is our most consistent receiver down the stretch. I think Malik McLean has the most potential and I expect to see him have kind of a breakout ish year next year. I don't think he goes crazy, but I think he definitely has much better numbers probably in the like six to 800 yard range with a handful of touchdowns. I think Pokey Wilson's probably also in that range, but I think we probably had a couple transfers at receiver. Um, it's how things go but we need more solidity on offense i think jordan travis is capable at quarterback i think we have a good running back room our tight end room is decent uh cam mcdonald i think is going to return next year preston daniel former walk-on will probably be back Wyatt rector the former walk-on will probably be back those guys are nice depth pieces who can do things here and there um Hopefully, Jackson West will get playing time next year. He's a guy that I'm really excited to see. I think he's a good player, and he's very underrated. We've got two high school cl- tight ends coming in, Jarrell Powers from Duncanville and Brian Courtney from Virginia. Courtney's a really good athlete. Um, both of those guys are very physically impressive, seeing them in person. They look like Division One tight ends, and getting them in and, and them being in the strength program is only going to make them a lot stronger. The future, I think, is bright, and I'm excited to see where we go. We have, I think, a really good 2022 recruiting class, and it's probably going to continue to get better. Uh, Julian Armello, the offensive tackle, is, I know, a big big target for us right now on campus taking his official, and I think it's very possible that we get him. But, uh, you know, it's not over until it's over. Nothing's official in recruiting until until they sign and they get on campus. Just the nature of of how that goes. But I think that we're in a good spot. The staff does a good job recruiting and maintaining relationships. I think guys have really enjoyed, players have really enjoyed coming here and visiting, and our staff seems to, Really embrace guys when they come on visits. Uh, family is a big thing. And just finding the right players on and off the field to build our culture and get us moving in the right direction, as well as winning games on the field, because we need guys who make plays. We need people to step up and make this football team better. I'm excited to see what the offseason holds. Uh, I enjoy the Player personnel and roster turnover side of it. I think the team building thing is really fun. Recruiting is—it's always fun to add new names to the roster. It's you know, bright, bright guys with potential. You just you see the future ahead of them, and that's just—it's so much fun. You know, that's part of the part of the fun of college football is, is the turnover that it does have, and there's always new names and new faces and, and new contributors. I think you'll see that with FSU next year. I wouldn't be surprised to see several more transfers. Norvell's done a good job turning over the roster, and not just finding transfers, but finding transfers who can step in and be immediately impactful. I think you'll continue to see that. I think we probably take at least a couple offensive line transfers, a couple wide receivers, um, maybe a defensive back, maybe a linebacker. But I expect us to be opportunistic with the transfer portal. And I think that we do a great job as a staff at FSU of identifying talent and attacking the guys that we think – attacking it as in attacking their recruitment, attacking the guys that we think are going to be the best fit for us at Florida State on and off the field. And I think that it's really important that we develop that. But talent evaluations huge. Getting in on guys early – is a a big thing. Developing that relationship as fast as possible is really, really important. I think that you kind of see that in where our recruiting class is right now. Um, Continuity and staff is important. Not having a lot of changes is important. You see what's happened to Miami and UF's recruiting classes even in lieu of much hyped-up coaching changes. Uh, I think Miami definitely made a better hire than UF. UF hiring Napier after seeing Miami go get Cristobal and LSU go get Brian Kelly and USC go get Lin- Lincoln Riley. And Oklahoma goes and gets Brent Venables. Um, Marcus, Free- or Marcus Freeman stays at Notre Dame. And then you look at UF hiring Billy Napier, and it's like, uh, it doesn't really... Add up with the the rest of the hires you saw. Because I really like the Venables and the Freeman hires, even though they're both you know coordinator promotions. I like the, the Dan Lanning hire at Oregon is interesting. I think I like the other two coordinator promotions better, but I don't think Lanning will do poorly at Oregon. But I'm curious to see how that goes. But... Um... I mean, Napier, the Napier hire is kind of on par with the Norvell hire when you compare resume and and where they come from. You know, poaching a coach from another big-time Power 5 school is impressive. Obviously, FSU did that with their last hire, and it didn't work out, so it's not necessarily a foolproof system. There's coaches that have come from the group of five and had success there's big name coaches that have been poached and had success and i expect that to happen and i I say poached even like napier gets poached from lafayette but it's different when you're going from group of five to power five especially a school like uf you know that's it's a big time job people kind of understand that you're taking that next step for your career whereas you're like Brian Kelly, and you leave Notre Dame to go to LSU. It's how big of a step are you are you really taking, or are you just you know take the money and run? Which I get to agree. Someone says, "Hey, here's ninety five to hundred million dollars to come coach college football, and you're going to have more res- more resources, less academic restrictions, and recruiting a better talent base, and where you're recruiting a higher level of competition." more likely chance to make the playoff, better schedule. Um, You know, those are all enticing things. Notre Dame's a really good job, but there's things about LSU that are enticing and that definitely make sense. I understand uh, why that move gets made to a degree. The Lincoln-Riley one was interesting as well. I think leaving Oklahoma was kind of stupid, but again, someone throws, you know, $100 million at you and buys you a house in LA, and it's and that's a lot of things to turn down, people really, schools going and making those all-out efforts to get coaches, you know, really prioritizing people like that, and Lincoln Riley obviously being comfortable recruiting in Southern California definitely doesn't hurt in regards to that hire, but interesting things I think that the transfer portal is actually one of the good things about college football, and I'll continue to support it because of things like that. Players actually get some agency. Coach leaves, and you know, a year after they sign, and they can say, "Yeah, well, I, I know that I could still have a spot at schools A, B, and C, so I'm gonna go ahead and hit the portal and see who I hear from, and you know, maybe go somewhere where I have more established relationships because. Being somewhere and then all of a sudden everybody that you know is gone, how badly do you really want to go to that place when that's you know, your your decision is based on the relationships of the with the people that just up and left with little to no warning or communication with you. And you see like Notre Dame promotes Marcus Freeman and they haven't had a ton of attrition, they haven't had a ton of transfers, they're not losing decommitments. Because his relationships are still relatively in place. And it also speaks volumes about Brian Kelly as well. That's um, it's very interesting. You know, Lincoln Riley's already flipped kids from Oklahoma to USC. And Cristobal's already starting to go after his guys. I know Napier's flipped one from UL Lafayette to, to UF. So... Those, those dynamics are always interesting. You know, Brian Kelly didn't really take much of anybody on his staff. Even Lincoln Riley took a few guys. I'd expect Cristobal to bring a few guys with him, especially if they have uh, South Florida ties. So Brian Kelly leaving and not taking any of his staff with him is, is definitely interesting. And a lot of the things that you've seen about him kind of speaks volumes about the way he might be perceived and and the excitement of the Notre Dame team with Marcus Freeman being promoted. And obviously they felt like they got stabbed in the back. I thought Brian Kelly handled that really poorly. And I watched the video of his, essentially his exit meeting with the team. And I thought just, it was not handled well all around. Those coaching changes are very messy situations in general, especially With the nature in which they come about because they're always kind of done on the down low through like backwater channels because a booster knows the connection somewhere who knows an agent who can get a phone call with a coach It's just how those things go, you know, working those back channels to get in contact with people and and make those things happen because you're essentially hiding from the school that you're at so they don't know that you're leaving. It's, it's all really interesting and it's not in the best ven- benefit of the player or the student athlete and the transfer portal gives them some of that agency back that they lose. Um, players aren't getting paid, so there's no monetary tie. It's not like the NFL where you sign you know say you sign a five-year contract and the head coach you sign to in year two, like there's not an extensive you know multiple year recruiting process. You know, NFL athletes are adults, they're professionals, they get paid to play football, they come in and do a job, whereas you're a college kid who's still trying to figure out life and is possibly very dependent on a relationship with the person that brought you far away from home, convinced you to go there. It's it's a lot. You should be able to have some type of agency to take care of yourself and to look out for your own self, you know. Student athletes, at the very least, deserve that much. Transfer portal gets flooded, and a lot of times there's not enough scholarships to accommodate kids in the portal, in addition to high school signees and uh, juco ball players. So, you hate to kind of see the roster crunch and lack of scholarships. I'd like to see the NCAA change that so that you know guys can not just get left in the portal because there's no scholarships for them. I think that you should be able to sign like 25 high school kids and as many transfers as you can take until your roster hits the max amount of scholarships. I think that, you know, that makes perfect sense. There's no point having unused scholarship spots on your roster while you also have kids looking for scholarships in the portal because now you're, you know, you're giving them agency, but it's at what cost, you know, you shouldn't have to, be overly worried about losing the potential to go to school and play football just because you want some type of agency for yourself and make sure that you are in the best position and the best scenery to to develop yourself as a person and as a football player. So I'd like to see the NCAA, not that I have a ton of hopes for how the NCAA handles things and regards to being beneficial to student athletes but nonetheless i hope that they do something to to try to accommodate that and make it more beneficial to schools and athletes both because you know teams don't really want to have unused scholarship spots when there's guys sitting there in the portal that they could take that they know could probably help their team whether it be uh, immediately contributing or you know being quality depth pieces that make it playing time and improve the bottom end of the roster and the competition on it but excited to see how the offseason goes uh bowl games are coming up bowl season's always fun you know random matchups and random places and wacky things always happen in bowl season there's a ton of football on it's it's good times uh national signing day is the 15th do a preview and a review of that um I enjoy National Signing Day. It's, it's, it's a fun day for me. And just, I like seeing all the new guys that sign to FSU and get to be hopeful about the future and then the talented players that we've got coming in. So, just excited. The future's up. You know, FSU's trending up. I think that the expectation next year is probably seven, eight wins. Um, definitely got to go to a bowl game. Not expecting conference championship or anything crazy, but um, Miami is in a rebuilding process, UF is in a rebuilding process, Clemson had a down year and then lost their A D, their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator. So we could possibly see so you know them taking another step back. FSU needs to capitalize now, even if it's not, you know, going ten and two and getting a conference championship game bid. Go eight and four, beat two out of your three rivals. You know, we went one out of three this year with the win over Miami. Beat two out of your three rivals, get to a bowl game, and just continue to build momentum. I think we're really close. We could have really easily been a seven, eight, nine win team. You look at all the, the close games that we played. You know, it was right there for us. We just weren't able to quite get over the that hump and make just enough plays. So just coming back and refocusing on winning and, and finishing, starting strong and playing strong and finishing all the way through because I felt like inconsistencies throughout games is a lot of what led to our losses. We just have to come out from the jump and be consistent all the way through. That's I think that's the goal for our team going into next year, get better, be more consistent, and at the end of the day, win football games. That's what it's all about. Winning football games. So, what matters more than anything else? Win, baby. A win is a win is a win is a win. And in the South, football is king. If you don't win, it don't matter. As always, thank you for listening. More recruiting and player personnel podcast things to come. Oh, also, before I go, shout out to the FSU women's soccer team. 2021 national champions it's their third national championship so congrats to them we've got an elite women's soccer program um our women's sports in general are really good you know softball is up there while uh, women's soccer has been dominant in the last few years um women's basketball is always a really solid you know top 20 program always making ncaa appearances so shout out to women's soccer love to see Knowles bringing home championships um But as always, peace out. Go NOLS. Thank you for listening to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe?